He's got all the credentials. He's got the pedigree. He's well-liked. He's got everything going for him. You're listening to the Green Jumper podcast with myself, Marcus Alton, the editor of the tribute website, brianclough.com. And my guest today is a radio presenter and Nottingham Forest's match day announcer. And he was an active supporter of the fundraising campaign for the Brian Clough statue in Nottingham. I'm delighted to welcome to the Green Jumper, Mark Dennison. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Yes, and you. How, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Now, Cluffy used to have an annual trip to Wembley and you had a special appearance there for the playoff final, announcing the Forest team in front of about 80,000 people. What was that like? Oh, uh, it was... That day was was amazing. It was right up there with, you know, um, a a real, real highlight. So... um, the story with that was years ago um, when Forrest were looking like they might have, uh, might be heading for promotion. I remember Mark Arthur uh, pulling me into the office and saying, uh, look, if we get through the playoffs, we will go to Wembley. And the deal is that each team takes their announcer. So, you know, uh, get yourself ready and um, hopefully it'll happen. Then, of course, Yeovil came along. We all know what happened with that. Um, and... So going back to May, so we beat Sheffield United. And then I mentioned to some other club about, is this still the case with Wembley? Mm. And I got the the reply of, yeah, yeah, I think so. And then didn't hear anything for a few days. In the meantime, work, uh, the BBC had arranged to do some outside broadcast from Wembley that weekend. Um, So I was down, I was going down there anyway to be on air on Sunday morning. And then by which time the whole thing from the EFL and the FA came together and they said, yeah, we, we, we want you to, to do the, um, the announcing for Forest at, at Wembley. So I was on air in the morning um, for a few hours and then I went to Wembley, did a sound check and, and whatever. It was actually really nice to see it empty. You get a feel for the place. You get to know... You know, important things like where the loos are and stuff like that. (laughs) To have a bit of a time where you can just kind of take it in before, you know, all the kind of hectic noise happened uh, later in the afternoon. And, yeah, to be there and to do that, uh, my kids were there as well. Um, And, you know, that, that was just amazing, you know, the three of us to sit there all together and, and watch it. Um, yeah. Radio Majewski was just in front of us as well, and yeah. you know, it, it, it was yeah. The, the whole the whole day was just it was magic, absolutely yes. magic. Yes. Well, we've got a little bit of a a soundbite uh, from that moment. You actually announce the team, so just uh, bear with me. Okay. Had you rehearsed that, Keenan Davis? <laughs> um, I just, 
I think the thing was when I did uh, it was it was funny because I had um, that sound check and the Huddersfield guy hadn't turned up at that point, uh, so I I had a couple of run throughs. It was funny because I I did you know I I did my usual um, thing, and afterwards I looked at my phone. I was getting all these the tweets from people who were just outside Wembley. Uh, Saying, oh, you're you're there nice and early, or you know, worst that effect. Yeah. And I thought the the woman who was the floor manager on the day kind of said, Look, you can you've got, don't worry about the time. We'll build enough time in this for you. Uh they've got two videos they're showing, and then you do you do your thing. Mm. And um it was it was quite nice because the Huddersfield guy said, um, you know, have you done this before? Have you, you know, and asked at Wembley? I said, No, no, I've never been. He'd done it a uh, couple of times, I think, before. And he was really a lovely, charming man. And he said, look, just enjoy it because this is, you know, this is as good as it gets. And I thought, yeah, all right, I will. And so I, I think, I, yeah, I, I maybe went a little bit kind of more OTT than normal. But again, you know, that, and, go on. Yeah, I suppose when you get that interaction from the crowds, you know, that many people cheering yeah. every time you say somebody's name it must give you such an adrenaline rush yeah yeah and and because it was absolutely rammed and i'm still convinced that you know there was there was uh, so much more noise from uh the forest half yes. uh it's more like two-thirds yes. really yeah. in, in reality yeah and i just thought um, and I would say this, but I think there were two videos, weren't there? And, and one was the kind of history and one was the more recent. And then then team announcing. So it was quite straightforward. Wow. I think Huddersfield had a video and there was a bit of a, almost a bit of a poem. And then then they did the, the teams. I just thought ours was more effective, taking me out of the yes. equation. I yes. think it was just yes. a bit more... Uh, yeah. It seemed to work. Yeah, it had sort of built up to that crescendo, hadn't it? Really. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I see you changed into a suit to make the announcement. Did, did you have your own? <laughs> did you have your own changing room? <laughs> <laughs> no. Or, or back, of a, a, back of a car. <laughs> that's more like it. Yeah. No, I had. Um, I had a track. <laughs> so you'll like this because uh, we used to work together at the beam. Mm. So you'll know how these things were. Mm. So. Um, there were a few of us uh, from BBC there. Mm. I was staying in a hotel, which was, I mean, they said it was London, but it wasn't really oh. in, in London. But one of our colleagues, uh, our great engineer, mm. had managed to book a hotel room literally on Wembley Way. Uh, yeah. And so I'd asked him, I met him at the hotel in the morning, and I said, can I dump my stuff with you? And then later on, when I finished doing the radio show, can I can I get changed in your room? Is that all right? And it worked out perfectly. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't quite have the glamour of a trailer or no. a Winnebago or anything like that. But no, it was it all worked out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. And was it the same suit for the West Ham game when it was boiling hot? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the story, <laughs> I've only got yeah. one suit. Yeah. So part of my thing now at Forest mm. is that I'm not just um, pitch side. I'm doing mm. some of the um, lounges before, so I'm doing the Q and A's with ex players and stuff. Ah, yeah. So that's a new thing for this season, and um, I didn't, I didn't, no one had told me what to wear, but I kind of figured if I was going into lounges, yeah, that I should 
smarten up a bit. So I thought I'd, I didn't bother with a tie. What's it like pitch side? You know, so close to the action. Did you hear the instructions coming from the the technical area? Um, the the it's like a cauldron, and um, it's so noisy. I, I would say when things do, when there's a bit of a dip, yeah, you can hear. They are quite quite vocal. Yeah. You can hear some of the uh, the players talking to each other as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. On a normal match day now, I would say the biggest thing for me actually was the, just the number of people pitch side because of, you know, media-wise, it's With just Sky gone. and, yeah, the roof. TV. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Sky, international broadcasters, you know, BBC, mm. you, know, you name it. And mm. Now, of course, social media, we've got, you know, even more people. So, yeah, it's just busy, busy pitch side. Yeah, yeah. Now, some years ago, you kindly hosted a Legends Night for the Statue Fund, which was raising money for the Brian Clough statue in Nottingham. Um, and you were sitting aside some of the legends of, of uh, Forest in the past and the former journalist, John Lawson, who worked very closely with Cluffy. A special night, wasn't it? Because people never seem to get tired of Brian Clough stories. No, they don't. You're right. And I've I've been to, subsequently, I've been along to some other events and uh one fairly recently that um i've never seen stuart pierce do um mm. one of these q a things before and he obviously had had a lot of stories and i was thinking that night you know they are great and i think i think the thing is with with cluffy if i've got one regret is that i'd never actually got to meet him mm. and i never interviewed him i would have loved to have done that but I suppose the thing is, I can kind of, uh, feel, I could feel like I've lived through part of that time because of some of these stories. And I remember that night, um, I was looking actually the other day at the photo, <laughs> photo because mm. it was was seventeen years ago. We also look so young. I know. Um, yeah. Jen, Nigel Jensen looks like he was about ten. <laughs> um, John McGovern looks looks yeah. so much younger as well. But yeah. they've all got great stories from you know when you think of of, of john and, and kenny as well kenny's yeah. st- stories <laughs> they're just legendary yeah um really funny stories and i love all of that but i think some of this kind of touching stories as well because he he obviously cared and he wrote to people mm. certain people in certain situations obviously stuck in his mind and I was reading the other day about a guy he'd written to, he'd written a handwritten letter yeah. um, a couple of weeks on from when they'd met. I can't remember the exact situation, but I remember thinking, that's that's the man that he was. You know, he deeply cared. And at that Legends Night, which is still remembered on brianclough.com, you can see some pictures on the website, we had a panel of Nigel Jemson, as you mentioned, John McGovern, Kenny Burns and John Lawson. Some great stories on the night and as one of the organisers I recorded a little bit with the two Johns McGovern and Lawson about their memories of Brian Clough and here's a little bit of what they told me all those years ago first of all the European Cup winning captain John McGovern the discipline side of it wasn't a problem to me because when people say to me it must have been very difficult working under Mr Clough because the discipline was so hard I just say to them, well, you've never met my mum. 
because if you had, you'd know what discipline is. So the discipline side wasn't a problem, but it was just uh, great to work for him, an honour to work for him, because, you know, you're working for a genius. I was fortunate that I'd actually worked for him at Derby County before Nottingham Forest, so I knew exactly what to expect and what you did expect as a player was, what are we going to win next? How did he motivate? Well, by the way that he spoke to you. Uh, he was a little fearsome at times, but he was only fearsome in, in, in demanding that you gave him everything that you'd got. And I think he believed that collectively, if a team gives everything that they've got, then unless the opposition happened to have more quality, more skill or more ability than a side that he was managing, that's the only way they were going to lose the match because as a professional he expected you to play as a professional and if you're a professional you go the extra mile, you go the extra yard, you, you give that little bit more than amateurs do because you are a professional and it was something that, that I thrived on doing anyway so I didn't have a problem working for him. What were the first words he said to you when, when he spotted you? I was 16 year old, I was Hartlepool, he told me to stand up straight, get my shoulders back and get my hair cut, I looked like a girl. So it was a kind of a, a little bit of a scary beginning, if you like. A frightening beginning, a line to say to anyone. My dad wasn't around at the time, I, my dad died when I was 11, my mum was a bit frightening and he reminded me of my mum in some ways, but uh, I soon began to sort of warm to, to his irascible kind of speeches and, and tellings off and lectures and coaching that he gave me uh, and just enjoyed working for him for most of my career. I can remember it vividly in uh, 1975 in walking in to what we used to call then the guest room at uh, the city ground and he took the place by storm really. Took, he took the club over in the space of about half an hour and everything changed from that day onwards. I was working uh, for the Evening Post at that time, covering Forrest's affairs. And um, I asked a few questions at this press conference, which they weren't the, the same as they are now, press conferences. And he said, who are you? And told him. And he said, you work for the local paper? And I said, yes. He says, I thought you did. I said, I'll see you afterwards. And that was the start of a relationship which uh, fortunately went on and on and on and many happy days. But you could tell from the club's point of view, even from day one, that things were going to be very different around the city ground. As a journalist working with him on a regular basis, what was he like to, to deal with and to interview? Um, if I'm totally honest, to start with, he was an absolute nightmare. I can remember going down, when he arrived, he said, you're coming to Bissam Abbey with me for two or three days, because Forrest were due in London for an FA Cup replay against Tottenham and was staying down to play Fulham on the Saturday in the league game. And I went down with him, and I was quite young and nervous and impressionable and all whatever words you want to use. And he kept me up till about one o'clock in the morning and I kept saying to him, can I just have two minutes of your time, Mr Clough? And he kept joking on about sort of, oh, I'll see to you eventually. And I'm thinking, God, I'm never going to get this story written. And it was his first match, they'd beaten Tottenham, big stories, here we go, new era and all the rest of it. And about sort of half past one, he did give me about half an hour of his time, actually. And it, it just gave me chapter and verse and the, the, the words just, just flew out of him. Uh, from that moment onwards and I got some great stories and and it, it just went on but the big thing was with him um, for two or three weeks it was just him getting to know me and more so me getting to know him as well but eventually there was a he sort of must have decided one day I trust this bloke and once I'd got his trust thankfully for me um, it was fairly plain sailing after that.
Some memories from the archives there that I recorded with John McGovern and John Lawson, who kindly took part in that Legends Night at the City Ground, which raised money towards Nottingham's Clough statue back in November 2005. And there are pictures and memories of that event on the brianclough.com website. And of course, you can read more of John McGovern's stories in his brilliant book, From Bonus to the Bernabeu. Now, Mark Dennison is still with us. Looking back, Mark, what are your favourite cluffy quotes? Where do you start? I mean, I, lo- I love the um, I love the whole thing about, you know, um, when he's talking about playing. I, th- I thought about this a few times when I've been watching, not not really Forest, but watching other games. And it's just you know, hoofball and headball and stuff like that. Mm. So the reference to, you know, grass and where the grass should be and it's not on the clouds and yeah. all of that. The, the ultimate one is, you know, the top one quote. That's probably my favourite. Yeah. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I was on that job. I mean, yeah. where do you, where do you, you can pick them all out really, can't you? Yeah. And the good thing is that they're all relevant now. They're not. I, what I like as well is you don't kind of read those quotes and think, "Oh yeah, that was from the eighties or early 90s. You can apply them now to foot to life, yes. and they're still. Yeah, yeah. I guess one one thing I, I, I'm just thinking out loud here. One thing he would say is, make sure you give Steve Cooper time to to achieve yes. what he needs to achieve, and yeah. you know there will be bumps along the way but stick with it because even in Cluffy's first season, you know, it took a while to, to, to settle things down and um, it wasn't until a bit later that they got that promotion. So yeah. that the same thing maybe this time as well, but I guess in the, in the big money business, there is these days, there isn't always uh, patience. There's, there's not, but I I think, I think, from what I do glean from from the club and what I I see and hear around the place, um, I think Steve's influence goes beyond the first team, and mm. I think there's now there's an ethos in the club. I think Andy Reid talks about you know when he's been coaching um, under twenty threes that there's a real uh, Gary Brazil talks about it as well. There's an ethos now as a club they've got an identity and a style of play. But also how they want to interact uh, with not just players, players, families, um, supporters yes. as well. Yes, we all know that you know we've had too many players, uh, too many managers, should I say, come in not being given that time, um, and some have gone prematurely, and there's been too much churn yes. over the years. And I do think this current um, setup. They they did they have that in mind. I think they have um, they've embraced yes. the club properly. And and as you say, that Steve Cooper ethos throughout the club, you know, Cluffy likewise liked to have that family feel around the club. You know, he'd get the flowers to the wives and take the players off for for a mid season break in the sunshine. Uh, just just that 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 bonding. I know you mentioned that he, you never met him. But mm. if you'd had the chance to meet him, perhaps in the later years, what would you have said? Oh, um, I think it might be one of those where I know I'd be extremely, yeah, I think I would be nervous, actually. Yeah. 
because I think he's just one of those people that carries so much respect. And I think I get the feeling that when I've watched clips and I've, I've heard interviews with him, that perhaps over time he certainly built up rapport with with lots of people. I think you know I would I would maybe go in with a couple of ideas of questions, but I would want to build a bit of a relationship with him. Yeah, and I think maybe he's one of those people that you perhaps need to talk to several times because I think maybe the first time is a bit of a kind of all right, let's you know get to know each other and what the what the kind of rules of engagement are. Yes, yes. Um, and I think. Yeah, I mean, where again? Where do you where do you start and end? Because there would just be so much to talk about. I I do wonder about regrets. Mm. Whether he would have whether it would be certain points in his career that he might kind of look back and think, I yes. would maybe do differently, or could other people have done things differently? You wouldn't have been tongue tied, but would you have sort of thanked him for the for those glory years? Oh, without doubt, without doubt, and I and I think you know I think he 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 passed away way too way too soon, didn't he? And I I mm. wish he'd I think I wish he could be around now to see this actually because this feels like a huge moment, and and I've I've said this several times before that whatever happens this season, um, I, I really really hope people just enjoy the ride and. As you said, there are going to be some bumps. I do think um, that the home games are going to be absolutely key. It's a, it's potentially a once in a lifetime thing that we've had in the last year or so. But let's just you know enjoy it and survive, and then take it from there. And on a match day, you stand just a few feet away from where Cluffy used to sit in the original dugout. What do you think it have made of Forest being back in the in the Premier League? I think, I think a he would be delighted that they are back in the top flight. I would like to think Cluffy would approve of Steve Cooper. I think he's been very, very clever. He's been very good at bringing the fans on board, uh, the style of play on board. The other thing that Steve has done actually is is kind of embrace that legacy, if you like, that past. And build on it for the future. We've had a lot of managers who've uh, actively um, kind of turned away from the past. Mm. Want to talk about it, uh, which is a very strange thing to do looking back. And others who have kind of had a strange attitude to it. And I know it can be a bit restrictive in some ways, but I think what Cooper's done is being spot on. Embrace it, build on it, you know, and and try and build a whole new history, as he puts it. Mark Dennison, it's been great chatting and and thanks for joining us. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Now, coming up on the next Green Jumper, we'll be looking back at Cluffy's first job as a football league manager at Hartlepool's. You just get sucked in by the by the story, really, and, it, and it's Cluffy. So there's only one Cluffy, completely unique character, and found himself in a unique set of circumstances, both personal and football-wise, when it came to Hartlepool. Chris Hull tells the story of how Brian began at rock bottom in the book Alchemy. 
it was that just that man management that Clough had. You know, he was able to extract the best out of individual players and provoke them in the right places and at the right time to g them up and basically extract their best and turn. You know, the the, the theme of, of of alchemy both on a on a club level, team level, and on an individual level. You know, turning a base metal into gold or into silverware, literally bringing silverware to to, to Derby and Nottingham Forest. Yes, there are certainly some great stories coming up there, including how the players were given diet sheets to make sure they didn't get overweight, an approach you wouldn't automatically associate with Clough's management style. And talking of Clough books, there's still a special selection of tribute books available on brianclough.com, helping to raise money for good causes. And you can get 15% off by using the exclusive discount code for this podcast. Just type in GREENJUMPER15, that's GREENJUMPER15 on checkout to make that saving on books and other souvenirs. It's available for a limited time. More details on the podcast page on brianclough.com. That code again, GREENJUMPER15. Thanks again for listening and I hope you can join me again soon for more memories of the great man in the Green Jumper.